Hello, friends, freaks, nerds, and geeks, all those of you unabashedly burning in the ephemeral flames of existence right alongside me. I'm your host, Jay Van Veen, and you're listening to Why Did You Make Me Read This, your weekly comic book podcast. Marvel Comics. I mean, sometimes you just gotta embrace the house of ideas like an anchor around your neck, letting it sink you down to the abyss of continuity and crossovers and characters and chaos. I love it. I love it that you can't turn a page in one of these comic books without running into one of the thousands of different characters that populate that world. I love that there's so many years of backstory and that they just pepper in references to old events in the comic books of modernity, like someone in the real world making a reference to an old war or some natural disaster or a cultural event that happened in our shared history. I guess that's the world building, the rich history of fiction, the relationships of extraordinary characters, the connective cartilage of a massive work of fiction spanning decades, utilizing the collected forces of hundreds of different creators, the thousands and thousands of stories, the great big playground that is Marvel fucking comic books. I love it. You know that. But maybe the reason I love it so much is because I've been along for the ride for a long time. I followed along from the cosmic universe to the street level. I've watched mutants, superpowered humans, aliens, magicians engage in extraordinary conquest. I've followed along as events rocked their world and ran through all the different series. I can get from my own personal storage of knowledge into the minutiae of a lot of these different characters and their shared history and their backgrounds. All these things coalesce together and a satisfying experience for someone who understands the ins and outs of that fictional realm. But conversely, if you're new to the world of comics and just want to dip your toes in, this might be the very same stuff that makes entering the world of Marvel Comics intimidating, if not sometimes impenetrable. There is just so, so much. I mean... You can cut in on a little corner here or there, grab a solo series, get a self-contained story arc. Maybe you wouldn't pick up on some of the little things getting laid down, but you'd still be able to read a fun story. You can do that if you want. Me, though, I say jump into the abyss with both feet and let the riptide of that good old Marvel comic madness drag you out to sea. Because in this comic today, you're just going to get thrown into the mix and it will not let up. Civil War, Secret Invasion, the death of Captain America, the Initiative, the Hood usurping the Kingpin's throne, a vast horde of D-list villains working together, two teams of Avengers at opposite ends of the law, a symbiote epidemic, the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, the Sorcerer Supreme, Wolverine getting shot in the dick, Deathlock, fucking Deathlock. There is so much packed into this trade paperback, and it just doesn't stop. Chaotic magic in funny book form. I'll read the indie stuff. I'll read the thought-provoking and emotionally mature and socially conscious stuff. Oh yes, I will. But I'll never stop reading this Marvel Comics nonsense. And today, with this boisterous-ass book, you have as clear-cut a reason as I'll ever be able to give you why. 
Avengers, The Trust, was written by Brian Michael Bendis, illustrated by Linnell Yu, and colored by Dave McKaig. I've never been a big Avengers guy. I've said that before. Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, Wasp, Captain America. I mean, I know I just went on and on about how I love Marvel, but those characters never really spoke to me. It would be cool to see them pop up in some X-Men shit, see them in the pages of Punisher or Ghost Rider, but I never had an intrinsic impulse to follow their team's adventures. But things in the mid-early 2000s started ramping up over at Marvel. Crossover events came raining down like unrelenting punches from Mike Tyson. That's a topical reference, right? And they just kept churning the heroes into the cement mixer of pandemonium. The Hulk, he gets sent off planet because he's deemed too dangerous to be around anymore and comes back with warriors and righteous fury to visit violence back on the heroes that sent him to the stars in the first place. The Scarlet Witch loses her shit and uses her chaos magic to disappear mutants from the planet almost altogether. The government wants heroes to register with them and work for them, and there's a schism that splits the caped community and pits hero against hero, teammate against teammate, friend against friend. A warrior race of aliens, with the ability to shapeshift, start replacing heroes on Earth with their own agents in an insidious plot to take over the planet. And, and some people look back at this time period in Marvel Comics history with a bit of a disparaging attitude. They think the events were bad ideas and too many to keep coming out at the pace that they did. And you know what? Those people are entitled to their opinions, just like I'm entitled to say I think their opinions suck. Because I thought it was an exciting time to be a reader. A lot of this stuff coincided with a particularly difficult period in my life. I was honestly struggling with some mental health stuff in those days, and the only real respite I could find was deep in the pages of these Marvel comic books. So maybe I'm not being... 100% objective, but I don't care. There was a few comics in particular. One that I just kept reading and rereading was Brian Michael Bendis' New Avengers. After the Avengers had broken up and something called Avengers Disassembled, the regular team went to the wayside and up popped this new team with a scrappy roster that was just a lot of fun for me to follow. Yeah, in the beginning... Iron Man and Captain America were around, but as events surrounding the world shaped things organically and members fluctuated a bit, the squad landed with a pretty rad lineup. When we get to this trade paperback, The Trust, the lineup for this new Avengers team is Luke Cage as the de facto leader, Wolverine, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man in his awesome black outfit, Clint Barton, who was and still is Hawkeye, but here he's operating as a hero named Ronan, Iron Fist, Spider-Woman, and then this newly introduced character named Echo. And a little background on Echo, because she's probably not known to most people. She is a deaf Native American woman that wears kind of this black ninja-looking outfit and wears a white-painted handprint on her face when she's out mixing it up. Essentially, she's an insanely high-level athlete with tons of combat training and has the ability to perfectly mimic movements that she sees. You know, Taskmaster? It's kind of like Taskmaster. Do you know Taskmaster? I can't explain everything, folks. We'll be here for days. Also, along for the ride is Luke Cage's wife, Jessica Jones, who has decided to kind of hang back from most of the adventuring to watch her and Luke Cage's new infant child. 
Plus, there's Wong, Dr. Strange's dedicated assistant and all-around martial arts warrior and magical badass. And that leads us to why Wong and Strange are around in the first place. I mentioned Civil War earlier, the kind of schism between heroes because of the government. Well, I'll explain it, but I gotta make this quick. Civil War was when the government decided to force superheroes to register and work for them in some kind of paramilitary policing fashion, creating the 50 States Initiative to provide each state with a government-sanctioned group of superheroes, and it resulted in a lot of infighting in the super-powered community because half of them thought it was the right thing to do, and the other half thought it was governmental oppression and didn't want to be wielded like tools of fascism for an ever-encroaching police state. Maybe a little bit of my own personal bias in there. Iron Man, now leading another crew calling themselves the Avengers, is spearheading this plan. But this team of Avengers, the New Avengers, they didn't want anything to do with that bullshit, and they're in hiding now. Well, they're in hiding when they're back in New York and not gallivanting around the world beating up ninjas in Japan or fucking up rogue shield agents in the Savage Land. What's the Savage Land? I mean, I can't, guys. I just can't. So back in New York, Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, has turned into a bit of a sympathizer for this crew and provided them with a safe place to stay at his home, the magical... Sanctum Sanctorium, a beautiful old building in Greenwich Village in New York that provides an illusion that keeps the rest of the world from seeing what's actually occurring within its walls. This story arc starts right in the thick of things. This crew of Avengers is on their way back to New York after finding out that a Skrull, one of those shape-shifting alien warriors, has replaced someone in a powerful position. And it's sci-fi conspiracy paranoia as the team is realizing that anybody in their crew might not be who they say they are, and worse, that goes for anyone else in the whole world. Anyone might be an invader. And this invasion might be the opening gambit of an all-out war. They're flying in Iron Fist's private plane, and Wolverine is laying out all of the reasons that any one of them might be an imposter. Seriously, I'm not a Skrull. Spider-Man says. Ain't that just what a Skrull would say? Responds Wolverine. If I was a Skrull, wouldn't I pick someone cool to be? Why would I pick me? And you know, I've never been a big Spider-Man guy either. I mean, I dabbled in his comic books as a kid. But as a team member, I love the dynamic he brings. He's the moral center of the crew and also the comic relief. And I personally think Bendis writes a damn fine Peter Parker. The first bit of action in this book comes in a more mundane form. I mean, mundane for these guys, if something like this were to happen to a normal person, it would be the event of a lifetime. Their plane's engines give up and the plane goes down. And while these heroes do have amazing abilities, it doesn't mean they're impervious to the damage done in something like a plane crash. I mean, Wolverine and Luke Cage will obviously be fine, but the rest of them are just as at risk as you or I would be. The plane goes down, they make it, of course, but Spider-Woman takes off, deciding to bring the body of the scroll they had just found to Iron Man, which makes her a traitor to the team and possibly a scroll conspirator herself. The rest of the team lick their wounds and head back to the Sanctum Sanctorium to figure out just what the hell is happening. And for now, for a minute, we need to divert from our heroes and take a look at what's happening in the criminal realm of villains with costumes, superpowers, and a bad track record of getting their asses kicked. For ages, the ruler of the underworld in Marvel's New York City was a man by the name of the Kingpin. 
and he's out of the picture in this time period, and there's a power vacuum. A few guys, Hammerhead, the Owl, have tried to step up to take the reins, but it's a wild ride, and you gotta have the strength, the grit, and the guts to hang on. In comes the Hood. A low-level street criminal that got his hands on some magic cloak that granted him powers, and also came along with the price of his soul being slowly taken over by the demon that inhabits the cloak. The Hood is as ambitious as he is dangerous. Throughout the comic, we see him executing his plan at becoming the new top dog of the criminal underworld. His idea is essentially to create a super-powered mafia. All those crooks and villains running around out there, using the powers to pull off small crimes, always getting stopped by heroes, getting beat down and humiliated and thrown in jail. Well, if you gather all those fellas together, it turns out you actually have some numbers to work with. You organize them, you pay them, you give them a sense of power, a sense of belonging, and hell, you got a small army full of guys that are actually decently powerful. The Hood gathers the Wrecking Crew, Chemistro, Blackout, Griffin, Grey Gargoyle, Armadillo, and dozens of other villains you've never heard of. Hell, I don't even know who some of these guys are. And he shows them that while the world is in chaos and the superhero community is fractured, now is the perfect time for a group of villains to take over, gain power, and make some goddamn money. Back to our heroes. We find them at a crossroads. Nobody really trusts each other anymore. Luke Cage is pretty much having a mental breakdown not knowing if his best friend, Iron Fist, or the rest of his teammates are who they say they are, and harder yet, if his wife and child are really his wife and child. The group decides to disband for the evening. Be back here tomorrow night if you want to stay on this team and figure this shit out, they decide before separating into the night. And as they separate, Wolverine heads out to a bar to grab a beer, and it turns out that this bar is a super-powered low-life hangout. Wolverine knows this, and the bartender knows Wolverine. You're gonna trash my bar again? yells the bartender. Screw this man, I am moving to Portland. Wolverine heads into the back of the bar to find the hood, doing some of his dealings. And we get a cool double splash page of Wolverine and the hood going at it. And then we get a less cool panel of Wolverine's groin, riddled with bullet holes, as the hood makes it known he is on the scene and a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he's going toe-to-toe with Wolverine. The guy's legit. The clock counts down on the new Avengers regrouping, and we get a few sexy time scenes. Doctor Strange is post-coital with his new gal, the Night Nurse, and we see the human side of this bigger-than-life magician. Elsewhere in the house, Clint Barton is taking a shower, and Echo accidentally walks in on him, sexual tension being built between the two. I guess it's always good to have a little titillation alongside the action and the humor to keep the folks interested. As the night progresses, everyone eventually makes their way back, and it's clear that this team wants to remain intact. But they have the lingering doubt of if they are all who they say they are. And this results in one of the best scenes of this comic, something fun that Bendis does so well. We get another double splash page of... Doctor Strange casting a spell, an astral projection revealing the true nature of all the individuals in the room. On the plus side, this will make sure that everyone is on the level. On the downside, there will be an actual image projected from each person's psyche displaying their innermost desire of who they really want to be. So the team all gathers around, and Strange works his literal magic. Spider-Man wants to be Peter Parker before he changed. Simpler times, I suppose. 
Clint Barton wants to be Captain America, and he doesn't want to talk about it. Luke Cage wants to go back to his Power Man days, wearing a tiara and an open puffy shirt and a thick chain belt, and hey man, he can live with that. Wolverine? Wolverine's a fucking samurai because hell yeah he is. And this is one of those things that makes this comic memorable. In the midst of the fast-paced plot and the unrelenting action, we have this scene that makes us feel like we're getting to know the characters better, and we're also getting to watch them know each other better. It makes for a fun team book. And Bendis writes a good team book, in my opinion, and I'll definitely argue that point. At least he creates fun character relationship dynamics, and his dialogue between them is great. But this wholesome moment gets shattered on the rocky shores of mayhem as Wolverine brings his info about the Hood to his team, and they decide that they need to intervene. The Hood has got his hands on Deathlock, which is like a, I don't know, a a half-cyborg soldier monster that was popular in the 90s and then kind of disappeared, and now all of a sudden he's back and under the control of the villains, and they're going to let him loose on the other Avengers, and it's a whole thing. It's a whole other thing I'd have to get into. I can't. Deathlock's great, though. I'm glad they're bringing back characters like him. Some of the crew does start to wonder if they should get involved with all this. They're technically wanted criminals on the run from the government. This other Avengers team is trying to bring them to justice. And Luke Cage lets us know why he is their leader. Remember, you asked me how do we know if we're the good guys in all this? Luke Cage asks. This is how we know. We do good guy shit. En route to stop the Hood's deathlock plan, the heroes run into something way more over the top. Like I said, the shit really doesn't stop in this story. The whole of New York starts to turn into symbiote creatures. The citizens, some of the very members of the team we're following, a lot of the members of the other Avengers team, who actually had their own comic book called The Mighty Avengers that was coming out parallel to this one, and that's where this plot point comes from. In that other Avengers comic Bendis was also writing at the time, we find out why this symbiote epidemic happened. But in the pages of the comic we're currently reading, this shit just started happening out of nowhere. And it's that good, good Marvel shit, folks. All interconnected. Characters as far as the eye can see. So the symbiote shit happens, and then our team has to face down the collected forces of the Hood's new mob. And it's more action, jokes, mayhem, and paranoia from here on out. And I'm not going to detail out everything that happens in this book, but here's a couple of other scenes that I just want to point out real quick. Luke Cage's Avengers don't just forget that one of their members switched sides, and they have Wolverine break into the Avengers Tower where the other Avengers team is staying to have a chat with Jessica Drew, also known as Spider-Woman. And we get another shower scene. Wolverine, in a decidedly creepy move, sneaks up on Jessica while she's in the shower, pops his claws, and begins to interrogate her. Other mighty Avenger Black Widow bursts into the bathroom in her underwear because, I guess, Avengers have no roommate etiquette or understanding of personal boundaries, and Wolverine drops one last bit of creep and asks the Black Widow, How's the bod? before smashing through the window of the skyscraper and having Spider-Man catch him mid-fall and swing him to safety. At another point, the Hood goes to prove to his crew that he's the real deal. He's trying to prove to all these street-level villains that if they follow him, he'll make sure that nobody messes with them from here on out. And he goes to find Tigra, who recently took down Jigsaw. Jigsaw is now one of the new members of the Hood's gang, and they find Tigra in her bed. See, he's told Jigsaw, he's told the rest of his crew that nobody's going to mess with him, so he brings a few of them along to watch. 
as he wakes Tiger up in her bed at night and begins to pistol whip her, and then calls her mom, warning Tigra that if she fucks with his crew again, he's going to kill her mom, he's going to torture her, and then he's going to kill her. It's actually a pretty shocking scene. For all the bright colored costumes and jokes that this book contains, it really doesn't shy away from violence. Another good scene is when the Avengers go to confront the Hood's goons and realize that, holy shit, there's actually a lot of dudes in there, and they might be outpowered. So Doctor Strange casts an illusion, so we get some fake cameos. We see Silver Surfer, Storm, the Punisher, Cyclops, Hercules, Howard the Duck for some reason, and it's just a fun page full of heroes, some cool artwork. This comic is just fun. It's all the reasons I love superhero comics still. It's a team adventure story mixed in with some crime and some sci-fi drama and tons of action and over-the-top fights. I'm not going to make the case that this is some high-minded, thought-provoking, intellectual exploration of the human condition. It isn't, and it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. But that doesn't mean it's not good. You know, I almost called this dumb fun, like a popcorn flick or something, but I don't think that's true either. It's interweaving so many connecting plot points and including the larger picture as momentum pushes it forward. It's funny. It has earnest moments. It's not stock or cookie cutter. Bendis gives characters voices and motivations and fears and desires, and Lanell Yu, damn that man can draw. His style is a little on the scratchy side, but I think it looks great. There's a real sense of fear and psychosis that underrides the whole thing, and you can see it in the characters' faces, particularly in their eyes. They look tough and sexy like superheroes are supposed to, but they also seem human at the same time. And McKegg's coloring complements use artwork in the best way possible. It's a winning combination, and we the readers get to revel in the world that this team creates. A mixture of elements brought together in just the right proportions to give us something awesome. In closing, I don't know what to say that's not going to be redundant, so I'll just embrace reiteration. I love Marvel Comics. I'll read the shit out of some superhero stuff if it's done the right way. And this book right here, well, it is done the right way. Bendis and you don't shy away from anything. They embrace the swamp of continuity and crossovers that was Marvel Comics in the early 2000s and throw more on top of it anyway. The New Avengers, in its initial concept, was an entertaining and wild ride. It included and sometimes revolved around the larger workings of the Marvel world while adding its own substance and creating its own narrative. High-profile characters turned ragtag team of misadventurers, boot of the world ever on their necks, never backing down to friend or foe, showing spirit in the face of calamity, and working to help each other as much as to save the world. It's a darn good time. It's damn fine comic books. Hey, good people. If anybody out there is interested in supporting the podcast, all I ask every week is that you maybe go over to iTunes or, or whatever podcasting you use and give me a good rating or maybe leave a comment. Find me on Twitter at Why Did You Comics. Find me on Facebook by just searching the name of the show there. Music for the podcast is done by my good buddy RJ Jones. Find him on SoundCloud or YouTube. 
I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast. And as always, we'll see you next week. Yeah.